Hello and welcome to the Deep Bible Studies podcast where we discover, explore, examine, and practice the Word of God. I am your host, Claudia Rivera Guevarez, and today we will get started on part one of John 7, 25 through 31. So let's go. Can this be the Christ? Some of the people of Jerusalem therefore said, is this not the man whom they seek to kill? So as we move along through chapter 7, we're going to continue to see the hostility and anger the Jewish leaders have against Jesus and how it actually transfers to the people. So what we won't see is Jesus' silence, for he continues to preach and to submit to God's will, confronting this hypocrisy. Um, And he keeps healing and leading those called unto salvation until his time has come. And so we also see in this passage God's sovereignty over the situation, which I think we point out a lot. And as Christ is not arrested because the Father has not willed it so, and Jesus is in willing submission to the Father's plan. We will also see the pattern of how the crowds continue to remain in their confusion of who Jesus is, where even though he has clearly stated who he is and where he comes from. And again, we will also and will continue to see the confusion, the divided conviction, and the hindered conversion of this crowd. Verse 26 then says, And here he is, speaking openly, and they say nothing to him. Can it be that the authorities really know that this is the Christ? But we know where this man comes from, and when the Christ appears, no one will know where he comes from. So in Micah 5, 1-12, we see the fourth telling of where the Messiah would come from. Now muster your troops. O daughter of troops, siege is laid against us. With a rod they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler of Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. So we see that this was one of the hundred prophecies Christ fulfilled according to the scriptures. And in Matthew 2, 1 through 6, it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, He was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. God is so incredibly orderly and wise. But due to the misinterpretation of the scriptures, like Malachi 3.1, which says, Behold, I send a messenger, and he will prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messengers of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. Many people thought that the Messiah would just suddenly appear among the people with no birth. And yet Jesus was born, God himself incarnated, and he lived the life that we were meant to live, perfect and righteous. He walked this filthy earth as a Nazarene among sinners, and he shared in our sufferings. 
I have mentioned this quote before, but every time I read it, it reminds me of the importance of the incarnation of the word. It's Nabil Qureshi in his battle of knowing if Allah or Jesus was a real God. He prayed, but how is it conceivable that Allah, the highest being of all, would enter into this world? This world is filthy and sinful, no place for the one who deserves all glory and praise. And how could I even begin to suggest that God, the magnificent and the splendid creator, would enter this world through the birth canal of a girl? That's disgusting. To have to eat, to grow fatigue, and to sweat and spill blood, and finally be nailed to a cross? I cannot believe this. God deserves infinitely more. His majesty is far greater than this, but what if his majesty is not as important to him as his children are? He died the death that lowly sinners, us, deserve in place to bear our sins and to pay our debt. He then physically resurrected, defeating the very thing that is our wages, death. Death has been swallowed up in a victory. And when we genuinely repent and trust in Christ, God himself dismisses our case and clothes us in Christ's righteousness, forgiving us of our sins justly and forgetting them, adopting us into his family so that we might be called his sons and daughters. And now we are really to live this righteous life, preaching the gospel and loving God and living in God's love. As well as our neighbor, we are to love them, we are to serve them, we are to preach the gospel to them with the help of the Holy Spirit. And even just being born in a specific place at a specific time according to his holy will. And so let's just finish off the chapter. Verse 28 says, So Jesus proclaimed as he taught in the temple, You know me and you know where I come from, but I have not come of my own accord. He who sent me is true, and him you do not know. I know him for I come from him and he sent me. So they were seeking to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. Yet many people believed in him. They said, when the Christ appears, will he do more signs than this man has done? You can find more information on our website, www.deepbiblestudies.com, where you will also find the calendar to go along with the book that we will be studying. You can also find us on Instagram, at Deep Bible Studies, and Facebook, where you can know every single time we post a new podcast. Also, we have an email, contact at deepbiblestudies.com, where you can ask us any questions and we will be sure to get back to you. I hope you have a wonderful day and see you next time.